0: Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The post-Civil War landscape of the American West offers escape and opportunities to many new immigrants who come to the country's shore. A few of them brave the journey to the camp town of Missouri Crossing, each looking for a new lease on life in the Dakota Territories. Join the settlers of Missouri Crossing, including Gregory Smith, played by Joaquin, Sister Margaret Miller, played by Monica, Bjorn Hagman, played by Chris, and Craig as the keeper of arcane lore, as we explore the horrors that await us on Down Darker Trails. So it's been a week or two, Sister Margaret, since you and the rest of the settlers that came in with the caravan had gotten set up in the western side of the city along the banks of the Missouri River in the recently cleared area by the woodcutter's camp. So basically, uh, Father Noss was able to produce this giant tent that served as the church until a more permanent structure can be built. Bjorn, Gregory, and a few of the men were able to kind of construct this like rudimentary wooden tower perch the bell that made the trip all the way from Chicago over and mount that on top. So you have a working bell, but you're still kind of getting used to your surroundings. You and uh, Sister Michael kind of share like a little tented back area in the rear of the church separate from Father and us It's cozier than the accommodations that you had on the trail, but not quite as good as you had in livery. but You know, it's a work in progress. And since, you now own the land, at least on paper, maybe it's time to start living on it basically and stop having to pay the rent every day on the rooms. How are you um, basically adjusting to this new change of lifestyle, Margaret?
0: I think keeping busy has definitely benefited her in some ways. Thinking about the fact that they're trying to set up so much in so little amount of time, just so that they can get services started, is occupying the forefront of her mind. She's trying to spend more time focusing on the church and Father Noss, Sister Michael. Maybe trying to get to know a couple locals that just live by the river. Trying to make herself establish as a positive force. And for the most part, she figures, you know, that Bajorn is busy and doing his own thing. So he's kind of fallen towards the back of her mind a bit. And now when she sees him, she doesn't feel that same tension that she felt before, you know, that that kind of awkward shyness. Now that there's so many more people around her, that kind of feels like a silly dream that, you know, like a schoolgirl crush that she would have had. So I would think that her being the kind of lazy person that she is she's of course taking her time to nap by the river explore the area you know kind of walk off the beaten path and just enjoying the nature trying to find her perfect napping spot as it would be and trying not to get caught
1: and of course she had plenty of time to do that lately i mean there's always work to be done but you can always find an excuse like oh i need to go fetch water, or I thought I saw some local medicinals growing near the river. So yeah, you've been uh, getting quite familiar with the, the live the river. And, you know, since you're not going into like the town proper, no one's been really bugging you about having a male chaperone with you. Yeah, you, you you've been able to start services and uh, you probably had like one or two um, Big Sunday ones, but basically whenever anyone feels like it, you could throw together an impromptu one. And Father Noss is more than happy to say mass, even if it's just for the, the locals. Yeah, uh, one thing that has been um, noted was at the end of the, the Sunday mask, an extra collection has been taken up to help pay off the loan that Gregory Smith um, was able to secure through the local establishment. What would Sister Margaret be getting up to on a, a typical day? It's, you know, it's starting to get a little bit colder, it, you know, get that brisk uh, feeling in the air. It's probably almost autumn. You notice that some of the farms nearby from reports of some of the drovers who've been coming in and out, they notice that uh, some of the crops are being ready for harvest. But uh, yeah, what would Sister Margaret be doing on a typical just weekday during the day
0: during the weekday i would think she'd be trying to help out uh the local women with any anything that she can do you know medically speaking as you said she would harvest well the you know obviously with the climate was good she would harvest plants that she can dry out and eventually crush you know in a mortar and pestle and, and keep from making rudimentary antibiotics or antiseptics things like that um she would have started a little you know plant near uh, somewhere near the settlement of the church to grow you know just things that she can kind of lure people in with hey you know I've got this you've got a sore throat I've got this for that you can't sleep I've got some chamomile in the hopes that they would see the church as a, a force of positivity and a force for change and that's her idea of how she's going to lure all these kind of ruffian people to the service and ultimately to God so once it starts cooling down I think she would be more involved inside the church, tidying up. She obviously can't laze around as much because she would be noticed and who wants to sleep outside when it's getting chilly? So she would um, be found more indoors. But I think something that for her has been in the back of her mind as the weeks pass is that while the church's presence is growing and they are having services, Deep down, she's still bothered by what she learned from Bill before they entered the the actual encampment. And she's thinking, you know, she's heard from maybe listening in to Gregory talking to Father Nas about the land deals uh, she's getting the picture that although there's wonderful people in the settlement, they are few and far between, and that there is some unknown force, you know, a man or maybe a group of men that kind of keep a, a tight grip on the settlement. And there she believes that they're extorting people. As far as the collection plate, when it goes around after kind of listening in on Father Noss and Gregory talk about what they would need to do to pay off the land for the church, she thinks it's absurd that they would ask people of God to pay taxes and to, you know, actually buy land to just erect a, a small structure. It's not going to be a huge church. It's just a small thing. And so she's very offended by that. And she doesn't think it's right. And she can't believe that Father Nos is actually going through with it. Uh, she feels horrible that these people are giving them money that they think are going towards, you know, church services. But really, they're just going to some rich guy's pocket. So she's very offended by that whole thing. And I think that would have wedged a little bit of distance between herself and Father Naz because I guess she thought he'd be better than that or he'd be able to stand up for the church and the clergy better than that. Same with Gregory. I could see her having some distance because the both of them made this terrible deal. And now the people are paying for basically an, an agreement to be extorted
1: it's certainly um something that neither of them felt very happy to do but talking to gregory and father Noss, you get the idea that maybe they didn't have much of a choice but i don't know maybe margaret's still putting that fault on them because they were were responsible for it
0: definitely uh Father Noss, not so much because the church teaches, you know, humility, temperance and all that, but she feels that Gregory should have fought harder. After all, you know, he's a man and if he can't stand up, you know, for the clergy, like basically a priest and two women, you know, that was kind of his job to go in there and make them look good. And part of her thinks that if it had been Bajorn, he would have kind of sweet-talked his way into a better deal, but because Gregory seems to be more passive that he probably just walked in and said, he took basically, in her mind, he took the first deal that was there because he didn't have the energy to fight for anything better. So her being so feisty, she's like, I can't believe that you would let the people pay for your terrible decision that you, you know, you picked this, Out of all the options that could have been made available, you picked this one probably because you were lazy and didn't want to push harder or haggle better. And now the people are paying for it. And she's kind of mad at Feathernals because you were there, too. And you just sat by as he did this. So she obviously wasn't there. She doesn't know the whole story. But in her mind, it's the man's job to kind of provide and do what's best for the community that they serve. In Father Noss's case, the church and Gregory's job, since he's the one that volunteered to settle them down, she feels that he kind of let her down and her people down. And that Father Noss isn't saying that he was also let down just because he's trying to be polite.
1: You're thinking about this on your walk, and you're probably kind of stewing in your own emotions a little bit. And does it kind of like spur Margaret to like, want to do something either about it or just something specific towards the cause to be productive?
0: She personally would like to find who's at the center of this. Obviously, when Father Naz and Gregory talked, no names were kind of thrown out there that she could listen to. So she has no idea who they dealt with. All she knows was that it happened at the silver dollar. And aside from feeling wronged by this and feeling let down by the men. She also has it in her mind, like I said, what uh, Bill had warned her about, that there is kind of an, an occult influence, let's say, on this town and the people in it. And in her mind, that is a likely cause as to why people are so wicked and wretched. So feeling this lack of action from the men that are supposed to be protecting her And being that she's somebody that saw a war and saw what, you know, lack of action and lack of preparation could lead to, in her mind, as always, she thinks, well, I can do better. You know, if they won't stand up for the wrongs and make them right, I'll have to do it. If they are not interested in finding out who's extorting everyone and putting a stop to it. I'll investigate and then I'll give Bajorn my findings. And surely he will, because Bajorn is a man of action.
1: How is Margaret going to do this? Does she have like a goal, an area of mind that she wants to investigate? Is this the what she wants to look into?
0: She kind of threw a plan together. Uh, it's not very well thought out, but her plan is to go into the silver dollar because she knows that's where the transaction took place so likely that person would still be doing business there and the way she sees it evil leaves the trail so if the evil guy who's extorting people is there maybe she can find that mysterious book that bill warned her about you know that bill's wife warned her about technically now obviously she can't just walk in a nun into a saloon so she's waiting until she's done enough chores that she doesn't think she'll be missed And she's waiting till things are winding down in the day, at the time where men would normally go into a saloon and have a couple drinks. She's gonna go towards the back of her current camp and look through her things. Now, Sister Margaret does believe in the humble lifestyle extremely. So she has two dresses to her name and she's gonna pick one, a nice soft blue color. And when no one's looking, she's going to bathe in the river and she's going to change into that dress do something with her hair, which at this point from all the travel and her being so busy, she hasn't had time to cut. So normally it would be like a very short boy's cut, but right now it's just like a like an awkward sloppy bob under her chin from all the travel. So she's going to style it as best as she can, make herself a nice cup of rose tea and then use a bit of the rose petal fragments that have been steeped to use it as blush, maybe a little bit of lipstick just to give some life back into her face. In her mind, this disguise is absolutely foolproof. No one will know who she is. And her plan is to just walk into the saloon and find the biggest bad guy that she can spot and try to pump some information out of him.
1: Yeah, and it's it's tough too because even though you're kind of like secluded, sister Michael's like always there, His father Nas is always there. Everyone's relying on you. People are just popping into the church at whenever times. You mentioned you're doing like ad hoc hospital work. Uh Little Mary keeps coming by to tell you how well Zeke's doing, thanks to your care and boss talking's care. So it's like it takes you a bit to like get a minute to yourself to Put this disguise together. So it's almost evening when you finally find time to slip away and put it together. I don't know. Let's let's see if we can find some sort of role to see like how well you disguised yourself. There actually is a disguise skill. Does uh Margaret have any points in that alphabetically? Well, let's see how you do it anyways. Hopefully it's not a botch.
0: All right, here we go. Oh my gosh, I got a 95.
1: Well, it's not a botch. 96 and above our botches. But you know well enough that, I mean, amongst your friends, you're not fooling anyone, but you are new in town. So maybe you could come across as just like a new girl. Just looking at yourself in the mirror, you just feel so really out of place, but there's really not a whole lot you can do about it. So you probably wanna come up with some sort of backstory or something if you're gonna pretend to be someone other than you're not.
0: Knowing her. Her foolproof back of plan, of course, is that she is the wife of maybe a minor who has recently joined the area and she's just trying to get a feel for the place. Uh, She wants to see her husband, maybe, you know, has a drinking problem. So he'll be spending a lot of time at the saloon and she just wanted to see if she could kind of catch him and bring him back home. She works so hard on dinner and he doesn't even have the audacity to show up on time. So she's here to, you know, pick him up and drag him back home.
1: Excellent. Off to the silver dollar then?
0: Absolutely.
1: All right. So you begin your kind of like nervous walk away from the camp. Maybe you double back and skirt along the river probably longer than you need to. So you can make it seem like you're coming from one of the more northern, closer to the mine areas that people are living in. And then you make your way southeast onto the main street, which people have been starting calling main street and find that biggest building that you can you walk through the saloon style doors literally and you're greeted by the barking of dachshunds who seem to be just um checking out pretty much everyone that comes by seeing if they have food and then kind of wander off again you see mostly pine um, with very few decorations it's you, you see like uh, deer antlers the bottles of whiskey you see the long bar with many patrons and um, you're actually noticing at this point that compared to the rest of the town there's quite a few women here
0: that definitely kind of I want to say brings her a bit of excitement seeing other women but it does kind of make her wonder why she doesn't seem to see the women out by the river. She doesn't see a lot of women out on the streets. She doesn't hear Father Nas or Gregory or even Bajorn talk about a lot of women that they've encountered. So that kind of raises a red flag in her hand. She has no idea what type of establishment this is aside from a bar, but she knows that, you know, she's she's, she's seen Bajorn come in here. And as a good man, obviously he's only here for a drink. So maybe, you know, next time she talks to him, she may just ask him like, wow, you never mentioned that there's other women there. I would have loved to know that because there are so many services that I can provide just to women that require a high amount of modesty and trust. And obviously, they're not getting it anywhere else. So this would have been a great place for her to start to look for people that could, you know, be her future patients.
1: Oh, you sweet summer child. Would you like to make an idea (laughs) roll? Okay, So that's just your straight-up intelligence then.
0: Okay, my intelligence. Oh, this may be good for me. Wise last words. Yeah, I got 73 out of 80.
1: Well, it's not a traditional skill, but this is like the general knowledge type role where it doesn't seem to fit into anything else. But um, you're having these thoughts of all the good that you could do for the women here. And then you're noticing that they're wearing things like rouge and, you know, their dresses are probably... little shorter in areas and then it comes to you that oh yes these are probably those women
0: at the realization of that if it's like she got hit by a boulder it's as if she you know she just feels that pit at you know like that hard horrible weight at the pit of her stomach and that knot in her throat because she's putting two and two together, she's looking at these women. You know, she's noticing the types of shoes, she's noticing all the leg, she's noticing that their arms and their chests are showing a lot more than any woman ever should, and that even their their cho- their choice of uh, makeup and hairstyles is very provocative. And all she can think of is that she's seen Bjorn come in here multiple times. And she wants to believe that he only walked in for a drink or two, but you can get a drink anywhere. You can buy alcohol. You can trade for alcohol. Why is he coming in here?
1: Yes, there's probably at least six drinking establishments that your party was able to identify. Um, Actually, this is a good time to make a psychology roll, actually.
0: Oh, yeah. I got a one out of 30.
1: So first off, check your psychology skill. Secondly, you're able to realize um, in time before you stand there gawking that you probably do seem out of place there and it's probably not like good to just stand there in the middle looking a gap at whatever you see. So you could probably move to a purpose in order to get some eyes off you. But you see a few smiles from some of the let's call them gentlemen sitting at the bar and like looks of intrigue from some of the let's call them ladies that have been cast about in different areas of the establishment.
0: At all these sudden realizations, she's obviously feeling a lot of internal turmoil with what she's learned and what she's seeing. And there's a little part of her that has this, this fear kind of creeping up in the back of her neck that she just walked into the den of wolves and is basically waving her arms around saying i'm delicious but
1: you do (laughs) you did just crit your psychology so you could probably keep it in her wraps and act real cool if you wanted to
0: yeah she's smoothing down her dress and she is trying to tell herself listen you can do this you're a woman of god God has given you this inspiration because it's obviously your purpose. If no one's going to right these wrongs, it's going to have to be you. So you're going to need to toughen up, you know, stiffen that upper lip and get her done. And with that, she's going to look at all these men that are looking at her. She's going to do her best to, you know, seem cool and aloof, but not, you know, too approachable. And she's going to look around to see if she can spot anyone That just isn't the average man having a drink, but someone who perhaps looks like they either run the place or they think they run the place. And that's the person that she's going to most likely want to talk about.
1: I'm not going to make you roll again because you just tricked your psychology. You're basically standing there, you know, cool as a cucumber, just moving around. And apparently um, eyes are coming off you. And then they're like, okay. She knows what she's looking for. People stop staring at you and kind of go back to what you're, they're, they've been doing. I mean, you got some people who are still trying to figure out who you are, but most of them kind of take an interest in their drinks or other forms of entertainment. You do notice that the bartender front seems to be paying particular attention to one of these patrons. and seems to almost be taking directions from him about things that are going on and you you notice that he's nursing a glass of whiskey and you definitely catch his eye and he pretends not to notice it and goes back to his drink. Um, He kind of has like, well, you're you're from um, England so you'd probably know this guy is probably Scottish just by the look at him. Dark hair, a little wispy and wiry, maybe in his early 40s at this point, but he definitely has a sense of, like, authority to him.
0: Okay. At seeing that man, she makes a mental note of him. She does another casual look around the room to make sure that there's nobody else that could fit the bill. And when she's absolutely sure that this is the man, she kind of reminds herself, okay, she's going to center herself as she walks over calmly. And she's going to remind herself that, hey, she, she survived a war. And, you know... Her female friends and a couple of her friends' uh, fiancés at the time taught her a couple of self-defense moves. So if things go south, you know, she can at least defend herself. She's not just some helpless woman. She was in the army. So she approaches this man and she very casually approaches the bar and uh, seemingly by accident, uh, her elbow rubs up against him and she turns to him and says, oh, Oh, my my dearest apologies. I'm sorry. I I didn't quite see you there.
1: Oh, English, I see. He immediately recognizes your accent. Oh, I'm very sorry. Think nothing of it. Please have a seat, if you will. And uh, gives a little nod to the the bartender who sets another empty glass down next to you and he starts filling it with uh, this amber-colored liquid.
0: Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, I see... You're not from here, are you? I can tell that accent. Is that mm, is that Scottish, perhaps? And then she takes a seat very calmly, seeming very friendly.
1: Glasgow, yes. I I mean I lose it every day I'm here, but you do have quite the ear, Miss
0: Smithson. Hello. My name is Meggie. How are you?
1: Oh, um, better now. What uh brings you to this fine establishment here?
0: Well, I'm new to the area and uh, I must admit, it seems I've lost my husband. Uh, he works at the mines, recently got a job there and uh, we're just getting settled. I've made a lovely dinner at home and it would seem that I can't find him. And knowing that he's a man of the drink, I thought perhaps, just perhaps I could find him here. This is the first place I'm looking, of course. It just seemed the biggest and the brightest and. I must say, I don't think I see him. Uh, What did you say your name was, sir? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it.
1: Oh, Hendry, he says, and extends his um, hand to take yours.
0: She very gently gives him her hand, and she smiles. What a beautiful name. Uh, What brings you here? Scotland's quite a bit away.
1: He he gives your hand a little kiss and um, releases it. You know, like everyone, just searching for a new life, and... America is the place to do that, if you know. It's a shame, he says, and like you're kind of seeing a little bit of regret in his uh, act, in his like demeanor. You did say you lost a husband, but I mean, assuming you still have one, best of luck to uh, to you. Maybe I could put some feelers out to locate him. What what was his
0: name? His name, and she pauses to quickly think of something. Oh, Jonathan, Jonathan Smithson. He's about. Uh... You know, five 5'9", um, a little bit darker skin, you know, from sometimes the mines, you know, not the cleanliest of the work, uh, rough, kind of curly brown hair and uh, very dark eyes, you know, slurs a little bit, not the brightest. Uh, have you seen him around, perhaps?
1: Can you make me a fast talk roll, please? Because you're, you're getting pretty uh, detailed with the story now.
0: I don't think I have fast talk.
1: Everyone has it at at least 5%. Okay,
0: so I'm rolling against the five. This is going to end well. 81 out of five.
1: Yeah, he seems a little bored by your description. He kind of looks down at his drink and kind of swills it and takes a sip. I suppose even the the Cornish um, need help now and then. If you really wanted to lose your husband and were looking for work, I could take on another girl, if you will, but Eddie shrugs.
0: She looks a little surprised at that. And she says, oh, are you the owner of this establishment?
1: He kind of straightens himself up. Oh, yeah, you you might say that. Um, have I have interests in many places around here.
0: Oh, my. And she looks, you know, she does her best to look very interested. She reaches over to the glass with the amber colored liquid that she has really no idea what's in it. And she goes to bring it to her lips, but the second she smells the alcohol, she very slowly puts it down and pretends that he's just so interesting that she can't focus on anything else but him. And she's going to say, oh, you must be a very successful man to own a place like this. It's huge.
1: Oh, huge for around here standards, but it's a growing town and I feel like I've given this speech a few times now, but uh, we're looking to make it a bit more reputable, if
0: you will. Reputable. And at that, she tries to hide her shock because that's not the word she would have used for this place. I see, wow. I had no idea I was talking to someone with so much influence. I do declare, I'm sorry. This is my first time walking in here and I'm surprised at how wonderfully clean and tidy this place is. It really looks like you're doing well for yourself.
1: You're you're you've been buttering up for a while. Uh would you like to make a charm roll? Because you're it seems like you're trying to build them up towards um revealing some information. Um, I since you've already set this the scene pretty well, you can have a 20% uh, bonus.
0: <laughs> I got a 96.
1: Well, that's a botch. So basically he waits for you to finish and then kind of narrows his eyes and takes the glass that uh, he had poured for you and starts drinking out of it, finishes it, and sets it down. What are you actually here for, Miss Stevenson, Smithson, whatever your name was?
0: Smithson, she says, and uh, she feels a little bit nervous deep down. Um, She really thought she was selling this great, and now she's, kind of caught up in this big lie. (laughs) She doesn't know what to say. Uh, So she kind of puts a hand to her chest and looks a little surprised and be like, I'm sorry, I'm not quite sure what you mean. I I already told you, I'm looking for my husband and uh, you're the first kind man I've seen since I've arrived. I haven't really gotten to make uh, many acquaintances. That's all.
1: (laughs) You hear that, Brian? Um, He says the bartender, I'm the kind man here. Brian, the bartender, kind of just smiles and goes on, you know, cleaning glasses and tending bar. You're here for either information or a job. If, are you trying to buy something? What 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 do you actually want? Let us not waste each other's time, Miss um, Smithson, Mrs. Smithson. If it If you need to insist on it, I I, I get it that. Some of you girls, especially the new ones, are a bit nervous about this sort of thing. But, you know, you talk to Carol and if you really want a job, she can get you set up. Otherwise, what is it?
0: At that, she definitely feels very uneasy. And she does feel like maybe if she keeps this up, it may lead to violence or, you know, assault of some kind. So she kind of very calmly nods and says, all right, as you'll have it, Uh, would you kindly point to which one of these lovely ladies is Carol?
1: He indicates a a heavier set woman who's kind of standing in the um, back with her arms crossed. Um, She's not wearing a whole lot of much. Um, In fact, like her very ample breasts are kind of spilling over the poor excuse for a shirt that she has on. She's short. She's overweight. And if we were to rate her appearance on, say, an arbitrary scale of say 10 to 90 we'll say that it would be you know a little bit better than uh, bjorn
0: okay so when he points to carol she just doesn't say another word she slips away from the bar and she makes her way towards carol which she has a very hard time understanding why any man would be attracted to sweet carol she approaches her and you know she stands tall she stands proud and says uh good evening I was told by uh, Mr. Hendry over there at the bar that I should uh, be talking to you in the event that I were interested in a position here as a working woman.
1: The woman referred to as Carol kind of like does like elevator eyes and kind of like looks you up and down. You're not bad looking. Your pussy would probably get your 50 cents on the dollar if that's what you're looking for. There's some uh, pretty good whores here, a um, few independents down by the bath tents, but uh, if you're looking for stable work, this is where you want to be. Uh, when do you want to start?
0: At the mention of that word, her face just turns absolutely beet red, and she starts stuttering like she has only ever seen that word in writing. She's never heard it herself, and the fact that this woman of all things—a woman—just flung that word like it was nothing just has left her feeling like someone kicked her in the chest and she's completely out of breath so she has her hand on her chest and she says oh oh um i think there have there may be a, a misunderstanding i'm not no 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 no, i'm, I'm not interested in uh that sort of work I'm a married woman, of course. I can never, I, I, my husband would never allow it. Um, n- not that there's anything wrong with what you do. It's admirable. And she kind of chokes on the word, as uh, she says. But um, I do have a medical background and I figured that the girls here probably need a, um, a physician of sorts. That is what I'm inquiring about. If you have any uh, uh, patients uh, that I could um, introduce myself to. I, I imagine that there's... Disease, uh, infants. You, there must be pregnancy, of course, right?
1: Ladies in our trade have a way of dealing with that. But um, and she kind of trails off a little bit. Would now would be a great time for a persuade roll.
0: Oh, I just missed it. Thirty-two out of thirty.
1: Would you like to spend luck?
0: I'm trying to find my luck. Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got fifty-five luck. I'm gonna spend uh, three points of luck on this to bring it under thirty. Okay.
1: Mark it off. At the mention of you being a woman with medical training, she kind of, you know, relaxes quite a bit. And then she kind of like appears to be a little bit less confrontational. Her body language just changes dramatically. And she starts looking at you and it's like, what sort of skills and interventions could you offer Mrs.?
0: And she leans in very close uh, to kind of whisper, uh, Miss Miller, well, um, well, I was uh, quite proudly a nurse during the Civil War. So there are many, many types of services I can offer. Well, I know a bit about everything, really, uh, from how to heal a good bruise. And she starts kind of feeling sick at the thought of these women having bruises and stuff. Uh, bruises, cuts, sucking, ward infection, I've got quite the natural luck for finding herbs in the area and I have quite the stock from the summer. The river is very, very fruitful with that. Well, you know, and as far as pregnancy goes, I do know a bit about childcare. I do know a bit about missed pregnancies and she words it like that, kind of swallowing the lump in her throat as she says it. So if you need someone to take care of you if something goes wrong and she reaches out and puts her hand on Carol's wrist you have my utmost respect you have my utmost need for privacy nothing that you or your girl say to me will ever reach the ears of anyone in this town i do promise that
1: and you reach down and grab her hand and it's it's soft on the backside of the wrist but then you're kind of like you get a feeling of it and you get to her palm and it's has like the the wear and tear of the world on it and you could tell this woman's been around and not just like the in a euphemism sense like she looks like she's had a hard life and you're looking at her and like her her eyes are kind of just like softening a little bit and almost like you can tell like they're, you're offering like a little bit of hope to her and she kind of nods and says perhaps maybe we should talk in the back away from the gentleman, if you will.
0: She nods very eagerly at that because even though she's not looking around, she's focusing on Carol. She can just feel like Henry is looking at her, and he makes her very uneasy. So she nods eagerly and says, "I think that would be best. Yes, uh, lead the way, of course, and I'll follow."
1: So there's a hanging piece of fabric separating the back rooms from the main part of the bar. You hear some grunts and moans of ecstasy pleasure and a few more rough noises, but she leads you back to a, you know, it's a pretty spacious room. looks like you can probably sit three or four people comfortably in there. There's a bed and a trunk, which she offers you to sit on.
0: Margaret will kind of push her hands over her own backside to smooth out her skirt and she'll sit and she'll cross her ankles you know, the whole ambiance of the back area is almost making her think back to holding a penny between her knees. So she's squeezing her knees together, but trying to keep cool and collected. And she looks up at Carol and says, tell me, what can I do for you here?
1: You said that you can offer a lot of assistance. Um, Have you dealt with herpes, the clap, lesions? She
0: she smiles and gives a nod. She goes, oh, I've seen my share of um, transmitted infections, let we say, uh, the love infections from the army. Unfortunately, with herpes, there's not currently a known cure, but there are things we can do to stop it from spreading to others. You know, I imagine patrons wouldn't look kindly to bringing that sort of thing home with them.
1: Yes, and It'd be doing great great service to our girls. Do you have any remedies for I don't know uh marks left behind during and it's it's kind of like odd because like this is a woman who was just throwing her own vulgar- vulgarities like it was no one's business just on the other side of that door flap, but in here she has some vulnerability about her, and it's it's probably a little bit off putting that she could just swap back and forth between masked like that?
0: I do know plenty about certain types of injuries, lacerations, bites, uh, bruising, welts that have, have had their contents, uh, let's just say, purulent welts. Uh, I can help you soothe them so they're not as apparent. Is there something uh, specific that you encounter here often? I'm not really really sure what your girls encounter the most.
1: As I described, and her voice is getting a little bit softer, what sort of compensation would you require?
0: She nods and she says, well, if we're being absolutely honest, um, I gather my own herbs, I make my own concoctions, I make my own creams, and I'm not someone that's really concerned with the material. I really am just here for the girls. Do you know whether they're building a church towards the river just out southwest that's um where i have my own tent and i'd be happy to look at anyone who comes by i'm not going to charge these girls anything obviously that's their living wage if they needed a bandage of something and they could come up with you know their own money for that supply i would never charge them for my time and my services
1: and you can see her eyes are kind of like getting a bit watery like she was not expecting a kindness of this like again like she saw you as a potential recruit only minutes ago and expected you to be a bit nervous. And now it's kind of like a real role reversal where she is the nervous, timid one. And you're the one with a sense of authority and power in this. And she kind of nods at what you're, what you're saying and says, okay, I, w- I will definitely be sending my girls your way. And I know you mentioned that it's near a church. I just hope that they'd be welcome there.
0: Absolutely, you don't have to worry about anyone looking at you or treating you or your girls any which way. You know, the people that are there at the church—they're the they're good people. They've seen a lot, you know. And myself, I've seen a lot through war, through famine. Don't worry, you will—you will absolutely be safe. If there's anything I can do to prevent further injury, and you know, she feels her voice cracking a little because she realizes that the work that these women do isn't exactly consensual. It's not voluntary. Like she thought in her, you know, her rose colored mind that this kind of exchange happened. She realizes that there's rape and there's abuse here. So her heart is just, the second she leaves this place, she's going to weep. And she she says to Carol, you have my utmost promise that I will do anything for you and your girls. All I ask for in return is that if uh, Mr. Hendry or all the any other man in this establishment asks, about me, you refrain from using my real last name and just refer to me as uh Maggie Smithson. He makes me extremely uneasy. I don't know why. He seems lovely at first, but his mood turned at the flip of a dime, and I can say I'm a little shaken by it. So that's all I ask of you: that you protect my identity, and I'll protect your girls.
1: Of course, and Mr. Greer, he he means well. He's actually he's a decent man. It just we we do have to take care of ourselves. I I was wondering if perhaps you can help someone sooner rather than having to wait.
0: I don't have any supplies with me at the moment, but I can certainly do a consult with whoever you need right now. I can have a look, and depending on when you close, I can just run to my tent, grab what I need, and come back for you.
1: She nods and says, "Uh, wait here. It'll be just a moment," and she opens the sliding fabric it's almost like a shower curtain on a rod and lets herself out kind of has to turn sideways and squeeze herself out of the doorway and you hear footsteps creaking as she goes and she's going for a few minutes and like you're left alone to your own devices while you wait for whoever she sends in what's going through margaret's head at this point
0: She's feeling a lot. Uh, she's feeling fear, both for herself and for these women, but there's something about Carol that kind of reassures her. Carol's a tough cookie, and if need be, Carol can put her foot down. And she's absolutely petrified as to what she's going to encounter because she doesn't know if she's going to see a woman who's been beaten within an inch of her life or a woman with you know a a botched abortion who's dying of infection. So right now her mind is going through the worst case scenarios of what she could see. She's running inventory of what she has back at her tent and, you know, how long it would take her to get things and come back, et cetera. And while she's waiting, she's also kind of looking around the room to see if she can spot anything that would give her the hint that something more is happening here. Like she's always keeping an eye out for that book or anything on the surface level that could hint that something weird is happening because this is definitely a den of sin in her head
1: yes of course and you're you're looking around you're not you're you're not seeing like a whole lot of like amenities there's like a chamber pot and pitcher underneath the chair in the corner the chairs kind of run down and the trunk you're sitting on is probably like better for sitting than anything the the beds like looks like it's been used quite a bit you can smell human scent on it pretty easily. You're looking around. There's n- there's like not a whole lot of personality to the room and it kind of like reflects sort of like the like the rest of the bar almost like everything that um is there is something that could be like just brought over in a wagon or developed naturally. And there's not a whole lot of effort put into decorating. You're looking around and you you know you're probably not like getting up and snooping through things or anything, unless you are.
0: She wouldn't uh, get up and snoop because if Carol walked in on her, that would immediately signal distrust Mm -hmm. in her and everything she's worked towards would go down the drain. But uh, she would stand up to kind of pace nervously. And as she's pacing, she wouldn't touch anything, but she would look around as just someone interested in looking at, you know, what's on the walls, what's on tables, et cetera.
1: Yeah. And you see like a, a small, like black and white photograph of this like proper woman um, on one side of a picture frame and like this like, you know, kind of pudgy and working class gentleman on the other side. And you're kind of looking at this picture and you see two small feet, definitely not Carol's at the entryway.
0: So with that, Margaret sees that out of the corner of, you know, the picture she turns around to see who's there to see who Carol has brought to her
1: this young woman kind of slides the fabric back and lets herself into the room and says good evening miss um I I'm Lavender and she's like a very small slight thing she has like chestnut hair you could tell at one point that she was probably good looking but you know you know how hard of a journey it was to get over here and the amount of work that she's been probably having to do has probably aged her quite a bit.
0: Hello, Miss Lavender. It's lovely to meet you. You may call me Margaret. How can I help you today?
1: Well, um, she told me, and she emphasizes she, that you said you might be able to help me.
0: Yes, that's right. Uh What can I help you with? Are you hurt? Are you feeling ill? Can you give me a little bit more detail?
1: Well, it was... Was something from someone I met at work on the job, a customer, and it really hurts.
0: Okay. Uh, Don't be shy. I've really seen it all, and I'll obviously keep your modesty and, you know, as best as I can, but um, I'm going to need you to show me what it is that you want me to help you with.
1: She nods. And again, it's probably weird that she's this embarrassed given her profession, but she kind of undoes the back of her dress and kind of like lowers the top portion and you can see that there's sort of a wound on her right breast.
0: Does the wound look like a scratch, a bite, a cut?
1: This would be a good medicine roll.
0: You got it. 24 out of 40.
1: Well first off check your medicine. You're being ginger but it looks to be a fairly fresh wound and you see that there are two puncture marks on it and That, you know, the wound has, you know, it started to like scab over a little bit, but it looks like it might have been pretty painful.
0: So Margaret leans in very close and she's looking at the puncture marks and she's trying to determine the nature of it because she's trying to see if maybe it was an animal bite or an insect bite because it doesn't look like anything that a human could have done if it had been something like a human bite the mark of the incisors between the canines would have at least left a pretty sizable bruise, if not more lacerations there. So she's looking very perplexed at this. And she leans in and says, I'm, I'm going to touch only because I need to, and I promise it won't hurt. So she's very gingerly running the tips of her fingers outside the perimeter of the injury just to see if it's warm or swollen and infected. But it's, it's really killing her that she can't find the origin of this. She So she looks up at Lavender and says, was this done with an instrument, a, a knife, uh, some sort of uh, makeshift fork?
1: I, I don't know. I don't really remember. It was, I thought it was a dream, maybe. I was with a man, so maybe it was a customer, but I don't know. It's, I don't know. It was, I remember feeling so good it was so good and i usually don't say this about clients and it's and it's work and everything but it just something's wrong and it it, there's marks on me now i i'm afraid someone will see and i won't be able to continue my work
0: at that margaret looks a little disturbed like her her eyebrows kind of knit together she doesn't quite understand how it's possible that she could have received these injuries because from what she can tell from the you know surrounding bruising of the skin, et cetera, this is something that's not just surface level. This would have gotten a little bit deeper. And something like that, even a light human bite, she doesn't obviously know what it's like to have you know sexual intimacy or sexual ecstasy, but she would think that something that sharp and painful wouldn't be something that you would easily forget. So she kind of starts wondering if maybe the pain was so bad that she just passed out and didn't recall. But either way, you know, she's focusing on it. And she says, you know, I've got an excellent salve that I can make. It's going to bring down the swelling. And I have a a couple of ways that I Think Now, I think, I'm not making any promises, that I can tint it in some way to kind of cancel out the redness and the bruising from it so that hopefully you won't inspire any sort of gag reflex in anybody. I think we can hide it. And from the looks of it, it doesn't look infected. You sure you can't remember how this happened?
1: No, I I don't. I assume it was with a customer, but it might have been a dream. But if you, if you have something for it, I don't. I don't want it to fester. I've seen some, well, not so great things.
0: Absolutely, I will take care of this for you, Lavender. Are you working the rest of the night? If I don't see you, would it be okay if I left the salve with Carol? I can just run to my tent, mix it up. I do have to crush some herbs and use a little bit of my own powder so I can give it a little bit of cuddle f- color for you. But um. I can be back really quickly, but I understand that you can't just wait around for me. Would it be okay if I don't happen to catch you if I give it to Carol?
1: Sure, yes, anything. You can leave it, I can pick it up. Whatever's whatever's best to you, I I, I owe you.
0: You don't owe me anything, darling. Listen, um, given your schedule, and I, I imagine that there's a demand here, my tent is immediately... Next to the church that is being built by the river just southwest of here. Come find me. I will stay up late. Don't worry. Don't go into church. Don't alert anybody there. I, you know, I have my own area. And um, I'll take care of you, okay? Just be safe. I'd rather not come back here if there's some kind of unsavory gentleman out there. But if you can come to me, I can get you taken care of and spread the word to the other girls if there's anything they need, let them know where I am. And I'll take care of them no matter what, okay? It doesn't matter what time of day or night. You come. I promise you I'll take care of you.
1: Yes, of course. Thank you. Uh, I, I can be there at first light, at dawn, if need be.
0: She's doing a quick rundown in her head of what she has to have done at dawn. And she's trying to figure out, okay, when, when is mass, when is service? If she wakes up really early and prepares stuff, maybe she'll manage to impress Sister Michael and Father Nas with how dutiful she's being, so she can kind of sneak out by the time Lavender comes over. So she nods and says, okay, by the light of dawn, that'll be great. I will be there. If you walk in and you don't see me, just wait a couple minutes, make yourself comfortable inside. I'll be right there in the event that, you know, I'm just gathering water from the river. But, um, I'll meet you there. I won't say anything to anyone. Your confidentiality is my utmost priority.
1: If historical IPs with the supernatural flare are your jam, then The Ultimate Evil is just right for you. With inspiration pulled from the Satanic Panic, The Ultimate Evil takes place in the 80s as four young men reunite to discover the mysteries that surround their childhood mentor's death.